Let's give it up to Oklahoma and Sooner Nation. That was easily the best time I've ever had at a game featuring a team like OU against a FCS school. Roughly 84,000 people watched the Sooners stomp Western Carolina 76 to nothing on Saturday. It was the first time since November 2019 that OU played in front of a sellout crowd. And I got to tell you, the fans came out. It looked and felt really good inside Memorial Stadium, even into the second half when the Sooners had already hung 50 on the Catamounts. I remember looking up towards the student section late in the third quarter, and I was shocked to see it was not totally deserted. Still probably three quarters full against a FCS team in a blowout. I had never seen that before at an Oklahoma game in all the years I've been going. The team showed up and the fans showed up. It was fantastic practice for the remainder of the 2021 season when the Sooners will be playing much more threatening teams, beginning with Nebraska next Saturday. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Up against the red zone. Quick pass. Gray wide open to the 10 to the 5. He'll walk into the end zone. Touchdown. Eric Gray. Zero. All right. Eric Gray scores his first touchdown as a member of the Sooners. Spencer Rattler found him wide open out of the backfield for the 20-yard score Saturday night. Gray got it going against the Catamounts. 94 total yards on 10 touches and averaged 8.2 yards per carry. Time to talk about the Sooners' dominating win over Western Carolina, and to help me do that, we welcome in none other than Grant Benson. Thank you, Lee. It's good to be here. A uh, kind of... <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? Uh, no, but seriously, very good to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here on who, a Sunday morning. Who else would be here? That's a good point. Who else would be here? That's a very good point. <laughs> but I'm happy to be here on a Sunday morning, t- you know, yeah. talking about a, a very... St- stress-free victory and also a really fun Saturday a uh, a Saturday lead that I am coining take a breath Saturday in college football I hated that Saturday absolutely hated it I was three and seven against the spread I got destroyed whatever we all thought was going on from week one take a step back because you're wrong clearly and I like and it I love it Sure. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not a gambler, then yeah, it's great. It'd be fun. I, you know, I gamble a lot. And this is what happens whenever I don't have time to watch other games. Like I didn't have a chance to watch really any other games except for OU last week. And so I just took a lot of advice from all of the experts. And I've listened to a lot of betting podcasts and I take notes and I take it way too seriously. And man, a lot of people were wrong. A lot of people were wrong. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about this later, probably a little bit. I'll, you know, I'll just give you a little bit of a pat in the back. You nailed the Iowa-Iowa State game, and uh, everyone should have seen it coming. Everybody, because it happens every single time, apparently, when Iowa and Iowa State play early in the year. And I refuse to believe it was going to happen, and it happened again. And what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I expected different results. I was wrong, but we can save that for a later discussion. Right now, we got to talk about OU. Western Carolina and this is going to be maybe our shortest podcast ever because you and I really don't have a whole lot of in-depth thoughts right now about the game I'm still thinking it through and seeing it through the camera lens just like last week against Tulane obviously a lot better of of an outcome and I liked what I saw and I'll start with uh, my biggest takeaway is probably what everybody else is saying and what the first thing Lincoln Riley said in his postgame presser is he was happy about how the guys responded. They were a lot more mentally ready to go out there and play 
four quarters. And so Oklahoma accomplished its goal that it set for itself after the two-lane game. It played a full game, a full four quarters, even though there should be an asterisk next to that, actually, because they did not play, actually, a full four quarters because the fourth quarter was shortened to 12 minutes. If you, uh, Some of you may have noticed that, may have not. I looked up when the fourth quarter began and thought, 12 minutes? So they, they clearly must have agreed upon something with Western Carolina. And so the last quarter was shortened by three minutes, which, fine by me, that game was over with. So uh, technically not a full 60 minutes, but Oklahoma responded and played up to what they said they would, and they did not let up Grant the entire game, and that was nice to see. Really nice to see them them get a shutout, and then more than that, actually them care about getting a shutout, it seemed like. Um, that I, That's huge improvement. That That's huge improvement from last week, at least, and I think if you're trying to look for any sort of takeaway in a game like this, I think that's about as good as you're going to get. Um, and so... Right, I mean, they they sort of answered all of the questions from last week the best they could going up against, you know, I mean, what I what I said before hopping on here on this on this podcast was I think probably the worst team I've I've ever seen OU play since I've been following the team from you know from the ninety the end of the ninety nine season on. I think it's just funny how it seems like every year when they play a new team like that, it's like that was the worst team they've ever they've ever played. Because last year you said Missouri State was the worst team. And now the Catamounts have usurped the Bears as the worst team that's come out of that field. I mean, clearly the Catamounts are worse because Missouri State they won their ended conference up being in the spring. decent, right? And they they pushed Oklahoma State last week. Who uh, Oklahoma State may not be very good. Uh, we'll get to that, but we, we can get to that later. I, I watched the first half of that game. Looked like the Cowboys played a lot better after halftime. But uh, anyways, nobody cares about that right now. Speaking of the defense, so yes, they cared about the shutout. And when the second half began, and obviously Caleb Williams came out on the field, everyone was waiting to see him. Great. What was surprising, though, defensively, is after Caleb Williams came out, Oklahoma went down and scored on that opening possession. To begin the third quarter of the first defensive series, the starters came out onto the field for Oklahoma. They weren't done yet. And I thought, okay, interesting. That the, I mean, they're keeping their word. They want these guys to go out after halftime, after sitting around for 20 minutes, and be energized and play. And I couldn't tell you how many series the starters play. I think they just played that one series, and then they were kind of done after that. Or at least they, they sub more of the backups in. But I thought it was interesting to see the starters out there to start the third quarter. So uh, Oklahoma, again, kept its word, tried the entire time, and really pushed that, hey, I know this is Western Carolina, but go out there and care for four quarters because this is practice for the rest of the season because it doesn't matter that you're playing Western Carolina or Tulane or next week Nebraska. You have to be engaged and you have to care for four quarters if you want to be a team to reach that ultimate goal that you all think you can. And I'll repeat myself, it was that was the one thing I wanted to see or one of the main things I wanted to see from Oklahoma, and they did it. And so I applaud them for showing up and playing that way, even though, like you said, it was against a, a really bad football team like Western Carolina. Anything else? What's the next takeaway for you? Uh, next thing for me would be uh, is kind of more specific. Uh, we we harped last week on uh, you know a couple of missed opportunities that Spencer Rattler had more than a couple, uh, but one that really stuck out to you and also to me as well was the missed back shoulder throw to Mario Williams. I think that was in the that was in the third quarter of last week's game. Um, I think it was in the second quarter. Was it, it in the was, second? It was oh, after that's right. one of the. It was after one of the. It was after one of the takeaways, and Oklahoma couldn't score a touchdown off of it. Yeah. Yep. 
And then it was it was nice to see them, you know, try that exact same throw from a further distance and this time execute it perfectly. So that was nice to see. Uh, they also did the same thing. They, they, they threw that kind of jump ball to Jaden Hazelwood, too, uh, that they didn't score on last week, and they did this week, you know, albeit against worse competition, of course, but it's still nice to see them actually do it uh, against a little bit more than air, of course. Yeah, and we saw Mario Williams show off his skills a little bit more in that game. Uh, clearly uh, not as good of a tackling team as Tulane was. So Mario Williams, Williams was able to get out and, and run around a little bit. And then, yeah, it was good to see Hazelwood be used there in the red zone, use his big frame and, and score a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Mike Woods got his first touchdown with Oklahoma as well. Mentioned Eric Gray earlier. So, yes, that, you mentioned Spencer Rattler's back shoulder throw. That was the next thing that I really wanted to see in this game is I wanted to see him come out and play flawless football and be engaged and actually care and make throws and try against a really bad football team. And Spencer Rattler did. It, it was very obvious to me that he was doing his best and trying harder than ever to get after his teammates, celebrate with them. I, I have never seen him that many times run and sprint and congratulate his guys after catching touchdowns from him. Uh, most energy I've seen from him maybe since, I mean, he played with a lot of energy, you know, in the Big 12 title game last year, for, for example, and against Oklahoma State and Bedlam. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time since those games and we didn't see that same energy against Tulane. It just, it seemed like a kid who, who got a message after that game against Tulane and took it to heart and went out against a bad football team knowing that they were a bad football team, but he still tried and he cared and he played really well in one half of football as he should have and so that was good to see uh it kind of goes along with the playing full four quarters uh, you know if people could say that was a lose-lose situation going up against a, a bad team like that and and you can make that argument in this specific scenario it wasn't necessarily a lose-lose because Oklahoma had that two-lane game in the rear view where they took the second half off so Oklahoma did have a chance to go out there and play for four quarters and look engaged, and you could come away from a game like that and think, all right, that's a good thing. We can actually take something away from a Western Carolina game. I took it away from the entire team as a whole, and also I took that away from Spencer Rattler. It looked like he actually tried and cared and was engaged, and the question will be, what will he do and what, how will he use this momentum next week against Nebraska, who will be a much better football team, obviously. Would you... Uh what did you think about Caleb Williams? I thought he, um, I, I guess I'll, I thought he looked okay. Um, I thought the kind of his most eye popping moment uh, was the his his kind of burst run that he had, where he looked really explosive. And he kind of he had seems like he kind of had a misstep at the end of that and sort of lost his balance and they caught up to him. Uh, but if he could have housed that, that would have been a huge eye opener. I, I think it, it already was. It's already got me thinking. I don't. I, there's almost a 0% chance they go through an entire Big 12 schedule and don't have a running package for him, I, I got to feel like. That was a lot of explosion right there. Looking at his line, he was 5 of 10 throwing for 84 yards. And just through my camera lens, I don't, I don't recall him being that sharp throwing the football I think his best throw might have been that wheel route to Jaden Knowles where he dropped it right over Knowles's I thought uh, that shoulder. was a really really good throw yeah but he, he he chucked it deep a lot he was doing that 
Yeah, he uh, he threw it deep down the uh, the far sideline one time. I, I can't remember who it might have been to Cody. Was it Cody Jackson? It was Farouk. Maybe or it was Jalil Farouk. Or no, oh, it was Farouk. Yeah. So that would I I think Farouk did he catch that? But he was out of bounds. Caught maybe? it with a foot yeah, out of so. bounds. Yeah, and then he he got carried out of bounds too. So uh, yeah, I mean he was taking some shots. They were having fun with it. Uh, I was actually walking through the tunnels during his long explosive run, so I didn't get a good look at that one. And then I was talking to Dean after the game, and he kind of uh, chuckled at the the um, let's see the zone read keeper near the goal line where he I guess didn't have the speed to to hit the corner and score. Uh, I I was totally fooled on that. I thought he had handed it off, so I kind of missed that play, but. Uh, is his I mean he's definitely a lot better athlete than Spencer Rattler but is his foot speed maybe not as as good as we would you know we thought like what did he look like to you did, did he not look as fast to you or did he look as advertised he didn't look he um he looked really fast on that 50 that 58 yard run uh the uh yeah the run where he got caught trying to get to the goal line was weird to me and it's it's sort of now that you mentioned that, I at the time I was wondering, I was like, oh, I wonder if he got kind of banged up on that long run, like he pulled like a hammy or something, because he 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 didn't look like he was going full speed on that one. Like he got chased down by a defensive end. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, again, I didn't get a good look at that play, and so he got chased down. I don't. I I thought maybe he had. So he didn't stumble or anything. Maybe the turf monster got him. You know, it's his first game. A lot of energy, a lot of juice. You know, like it, it doesn't feel as natural. Maybe, but no, he just got he got chased down that's looks yeah, like he got chased down to me i don't know i mean i'd have to go i haven't rewatched the game and honestly i probably won't so um <laughs> that's perfectly fine i mean i might um, just to go back the the only t- the only thing i'd go back and watch is probably just the there was a lot of freshmen that played on defense that's probably what i would check out sure i know you know through my camera lens Rattler looked good uh, going back to Rattler I know Dean was very impressed Dean Blevins after the game talking with him he was just he, he thought he made all the throws he was hitting this spot uh, I, I kind of late in the second quarter really nice throw on the out to Drake Stoops good to see Drake Stoops back uh, stepping up throwing uh, down the field to Braden Willis he, good to see Braden Willis get a couple of catches you know spreading out the love uh, so I, I thought Rattler you know, looked pretty good through my camera lens. And again, it's, it's good to get all these guys involved. Uh, weirdly, Marvin Mims wasn't much of a factor. I know uh, he was targeted early on in the game down by the goal line. That looked like a really nice play by the defensive back, by the safety coming in there because Marvin had it in his hands and the guy just came in and used his hand and just stripped it away and broke the ball, uh, broke the play up. Uh, I'm looking at the let me look at the box score. Did Mims even have a catch? Yeah, he had a he had first one. He had the first catch of the game. He went 19. Okay, yeah, and that, that was kind of it. And after that, he was just returning punts and he he muffed one or recovered. So, uh, in, you know, in a game like that, Marvin Mims wasn't obviously needed. Good to get other guys involved. I mean, how many different players caught passes in that game? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen different players caught passes in that game for Oklahoma so that was nice to see I was gonna say if there's uh if I'm looking at any like negatives of Spencer Rattler I, I mean I think you're sort of you're you're digging into a bag here trying to find anything but you know I, I still did notice inconsistency with mechanics he, he did throw off of his back foot a few times um and then also I, I guess what I would say is I, I wish they were a little bit more explosive in the passing game when he was in there uh, his longest of the game was 28 which you know, it's not bad, but also you, I, you would have liked to see kind of some more, some more bombs completed down the field, and that was a little disappointing not seeing that. Um, other than that, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't, 
I wasn't happy that the offensive line gave up two sacks over the course of the game. Both of them, I think, were sort of coverage sacks. Uh, both of them, I, I feel like, didn't need to happen. The, the quarterback could have could have performed better in that instance. I think Rattler took one, and Williams also took one. Um, you know, other than that, though, I mean, you're you're, you're splitting hairs. You're splitting hairs. I thought uh, I thought the offensive line blocked up the running game really well for the most part. Um, it's it, it's nice to see sort of that GT counter work actually against lesser competition. Sort of reminds you that when it does work, it can be really pretty. Um, but you know, really after that, yeah, I mean, a, a pretty clean game from the offense. I just I, I wish they were more explosive. Is all. Let's talk a little bit defense here, and then we can get back to the offense a little bit. Maybe the the backups, the two running backs, Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson. We can talk about those guys a little bit. But I want to talk a little defense here because Grant. You said before this game in the, the preview podcast that Western Carolina, the way their offense worked was a lot of short, quick passes, and they'd be able to find ways to move the football against Oklahoma based on that two-lane tape because Tulane had a lot of short passing game crossers. And I'll tell you, very first series of the game on third down, when Western Carolina completed that, it, their, really their biggest play of the game it might have been, it seemed like, kind of that crossing route, third down conversion. I think it went for... Uh, 18 or 20 yards, something like that. I thought, oh, well, uh, I can guess what happened there. It was, uh, you know, man coverage, and the guy crossed across, you know, crossed the field and was wide open because that's how you beat Oklahoma. Uh, but throughout the game, for the most part, they, they, as in Western Carolina, had that short passing game, and they completed a decent amount of them, but then Oklahoma would make the tackle. Uh, in my mind, I kept thinking, okay, Oklahoma knows they're going to be throwing these short passes, why are they completing so many of them? Why aren't they playing tighter on these guys and as, as opposed to letting them complete them and then make the tackles? I don't know. As you were watching the game, did that come into your mind at all? And uh, From the TV copy, did it seem like Oklahoma could have been even more aggressive in the secondary and made it even more difficult to complete these short passes, or am I just kind of using wishful thinking in a way? I thought that at times. Um, I've also questioned my thinking on that. Is that, is that reasonable, seeing as that, Western Carolina, I mean, they had less than 100 yards of offense going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there were times where I thought maybe there were too many guys sort of flashing open over the middle of the field. Um, there were some instances, too, where there were some dropped passes by them as well, um, which, you know, I mean, a lot of it had to do with the, the pressure and also just sort of the swarming nature of it, and I'm sure they were, they were a little skittish. So, but no, I mean, I, I think it was, it was fine. Like, you know, I, I still have my questions about the linebacking core, for instance. Um, but they, they, they were playing a lot of zone coverage in that game, uh, trying to keep a lot of stuff in front of them. And so we'll, uh, see, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, the game was so, was so lopsided, one-sided. It's hard for me to take any, you know, any one thing. I thought one thing that, that to me came through pretty clearly while watching though, um, and I, you know, tell me what you thought from the field, but I, there's, I, I think there's definitely some, some nitpicks that you can have with this game, some stuff that I saw that I didn't love, but Danny Stutzman did look like the best linebacker, uh, on the field and, um, not like, I mean, there, there were still like, there were still, you know, some tackle attempts that I didn't love sort of diving at feet type of stuff, but he, he definitely looked like kind of the most active and most instinctive linebacker out there to me. Um, of course, a game like this against such a you know crappy you know opposition can uh, can make a lot of things look weird. But I, he looks good to me. He looks like he's going to be some, he's going to probably be some guy who you know he he gets a lot more playing time as this as as the season goes on if he's healthy. I, I did you see his injury? To me, it looked like a dislocated elbow. 
his his arm was going in a direction it shouldn't have been going. Um, I so I I don't know. I know I know there's precedent for that in the past of like putting on like a really you know huge uh, brace for your elbow. I know because Man- Manny Johnson dislocated his elbow in 2008, and I think he, he missed like a couple weeks or something like that, and he came back and played the rest of the year with that huge brace. Um, I don't know. Yeah, Stutzman to me looked like a guy, one of the guys for sure, who needs to probably get more playing time, just because he just he looked like a different type of athlete than they have out there. Yeah, he. Uh, I was noticing that I was shooting a lot of tackles by him, uh, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, there's Danny Stutzman. Better make sure I, I get this because he's a player that we are we're kind of watching, and he's not a normal starter." And I look at the box score, and he led the team in tackles. He had eight. He had eight tackles last night. Uh, I didn't get a good look at the injury. Uh, I saw when they were walking him off. Yeah, he, they were kind of holding holding his arm down. Like I thought maybe shoulder. The way they look at it. so you're thinking maybe elbow. Yo, yeah, yeah. The, the replay the game, was kind of gruesome. It was uh, it, okay. It and like it. It seemed consistent with the dislocated elbow. He got like his hand pinned, and then he just got kind of contorted around, and it didn't look great. But you know. If if it is a dislocated elbow, like that sucks. That's not good or anything. But I don't I don't think that would keep him out super long term, um, unless you know absent any sort of, I guess like structural damage. But it's it's stupid to to speculate at this point in time. It was him and uh, him and Bowman got hurt. Bowman got hurt. You know, one of the first series of the game, and he didn't play the rest of the time. I I, I don't know what the deal is with him. But uh, hey, did you I. This is maybe one thing I, I'm, I'm going to go back and watch again. Um, but there were some people kind of talking about, did, did DTY play nickel after Bowman got hurt? I I couldn't tell. I, I, I didn't even know Bowman was hurt until uh, Dean tweeted about it because the radio crew announced it uh, sometime either early second quarter or late in the first quarter. I guess it, it, they said hamstring. So hopefully it's just like a hamstring pull or something and he's fine. Precautionary. I, I don't know about DTY. Uh, as far as Stutzman goes, though, I, I did want to point out, you, you're like, oh, you know, it's stupid to speculate on what's going on. Yeah. So did you see his tweet last night after the game where he said, yeah, uh, I, you know, I love you know, fans out there want to know about my my arm. Yeah. I also want to know about my arm. I'm not sure. I'm having a CT scan tomorrow. And he put like one of those like smile, like laughing, like laughing emojis or whatever. And I went back and looked at his Twitter account as we record here on Sunday morning. And he deleted the tweet, so I'm sure Oklahoma told them or something. Hey, del-. it's like, come on, just just leave it. It was just leave it up. It who cares? It's just it's. A, but anyway, so hopefully it's not a big deal. It sounds like today he was going to get it looked at. Um, but yeah, he uh, just from my perspective, he was flying around and he again he led the team in tackles, so he's doing something right out there. Uh, but uh, as far as the Larry Turner yell, I, I don't I don't know about that one. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, defensively as well, um, good. Four sacks. It's a good number of sacks, right? Uh, TFLs, though, only eight. So they didn't even reach 10 TFLs. But, again, it's a, it's a team that was trying to get the ball out. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't run it a whole lot. But overall, defense, uh, you know, they played a lot better. And uh, there's not a whole lot to sneeze at there. I mean, Other yeah, than I mean, that, they, Grant, they had – yeah, it, they threw a lot, and they also had 16 incomplete passes or interceptions. So, I mean, that's, you know, on that many dropbacks. That's, you, you would like more, but also that the way that they were calling offense, they, they weren't going to get huge, you know, yeah. huge sack plays like that. It's not like, it's, it's not like Tom Herman's Texas back there where they're just, 
they're running deep crossing routes that take three, four seconds to to flash <laughs> open. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, this is easy just because he was quite visible. As far as the defensive backs go that I noticed, uh, Bryson Washington, obviously he had the interception late in the game, but he also came up and made you know at least one tackle I noticed that looked pretty good. But it was good to see him get a pick and you know have a nice return. But uh, it was one of those games where, yeah, everybody played. Um, you know, Jordan Kelly got in there kind of late. He didn't play that much. Isaiah Coe was in there early, got, got a sack. That was good to see. Uh, Perrion Winfrey was making it he difficult sack for Western Carolina. I think he had three separate half sacks. Perrion? Yeah, I think, I think that's what it was. And uh, Isaiah Thomas, he was, both of them were in on one early in the game. So, you know, everyone played, from what I could tell, played well. Uh, but I, I will say this, and I have nothing else on the defense except for this. And this is just a – I'll just throw this out there because I, I did go back and watch a little bit of the first half on YouTube this morning because I got up way too early. Uh, I couldn't sleep. You know, I think I'm just jacked up for the first week of NFL, uh, for week one of NFL. And then a couple hours went by, and it was like 8.15, and I got tired again. <laughs> so I went back to bed. doesn't matter. Anyways, I did watch a little bit of the game. Tulane did this, and Western Carolina was trying this and had a little bit of success, but not as much because they're Western Carolina. Oklahoma's defense, especially the linebackers, early on in the season, they seem that they have a little bit of trouble with bunch sets, bunch wide receivers, and who the heck to cover. It seems like people are open. So that just I'm going to keep that in mind as, as the season goes on. Is Oklahoma uh, not very good? when they have to cover bunch sets, you know, three wide receivers bunched up, especially if they're tight to the line of scrimmage. Just I noticed that in the you know first quarter and a little bit of the second quarter against Western Carolina that they were getting some players open, whether or not the quarterback was hitting them. That was another story. Uh, one guy dropped a pass on fourth or on third down. That would have been a first down. So just something I noticed. I don't know if there's anything else defensively, Grant, you want to hit on before. Uh, I think we need to touch on just briefly the, the running backs, the, the backup running backs having a nice night. Yeah, no, I think um, I think the main takeaway on defense, uh, you know, from a negative standpoint, is that, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately the linebackers right now are are sort of I, maybe the biggest question mark. I think on the defense, they've been, yeah, if I had to pick one position group that didn't look extremely impressive, it was the linebackers, and maybe that's why Stutzman stood out so much in my mind. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We've, I mean, we saw last season that they can improve as the season goes, and they were playing, you know, some some pretty good football at the end of last year. Uh, but if, of course, frustrated, we haven't we haven't necessarily seen that so far. Uh, but no, I mean, they're playing Western Carolina. That that team's going to struggle to win three or four games at the FCS level, I would guess. All right. Lastly, offensively, we finally did get to see Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson touch the football. I think they they both scored two touchdowns. I, I think they both scored twice. Yes. Uh, Knowles looked Knowles looked better than Hudson, much to my chagrin. My man, Todd Hudson, uh, man. But uh, good for Jaden Knowles. He uh, he looks like a guy that's serviceable, serviceable player. He's he's definitely the better of the two, I think. And so Oklahoma has has, has no depth at running back. Uh, but Jaden Knowles is a guy that in a pinch can do something, uh, which is good to see, I guess. And if they can catch the football, even better, like even better. Yeah. That's that's the big. I, I think that's the big thing with them. If they can, if they can prove that they can catch the football, they'll they'll get snaps. In, in Big 12 games. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to three-word reviews. We'll start on Twitter, and we'll go with 
Rick Corey, who is a new host on the Blitz Radio in Tulsa. I was uh, fortunate enough to be invited on to his show earlier, uh, I guess, last week. And I appreciate the invite, Rick, and I appreciate the three-word review. And his is more like expected. And I, I think that's fair. Uh, by the way, my three-word review is kept their, kept their promise. Is that what I said? No, kept their word. Uh, because Oklahoma wanted to come out and play four quarters. So good one there by Rick. Our cousin James says that was better. Uh, Lamont, good to see you in the three-word reviews, Lamont. I know you've been listening for a while, and you've been leaving three-word reviews for a while. And this is we touched on this a little bit ago. He says, Stutzman injury. Damn. So hopefully that's not going to be a, a long-term thing for Danny Stutzman. Maybe Lamont noticed the same things you did about Stutzman as he's, he was flying around there. Tim on Twitter says, repeat against Nebraska. Agree, yes. And uh, that was a uh, – I said in the opening take, that should be the standard. That was great practice for the rest of the year, whether it's Oklahoma's players and coaches and the fans. The fans came out and the fans did very well uh, getting out there in front you know, for the first time since 2019 and a sold-out crowd. Matthew, Nebraska's next week. Uh, Simple Jack says, it's Western Carolina. True. Uh, Dan has similar thoughts as Jack. Play real team. Uh, Michael, you say foot on gas. And Travis, you say we will see. And then, of course, we got to get in there with P23570, who always has some interesting and unique three-word reviews. He goes with the Matthew McConaughey gif, or jif, however you like to say it, saying, all right, all right, all right. And uh, that him using Matthew McConaughey is a bit of a dig at Texas who failed to show up I heard in Fayetteville against Arkansas which we can briefly touch on here got you got some freaking smoked man yeah let's go to Facebook and I posted the prompt this morning and you guys came through I mean I posted this maybe an hour ago and there's already 10 comments so good on you guys on the Facebook page looks like Trey you were at the game great picture from Owen Field looks like you are in the north end zone and yeah it's a good a good look at what the crowd looked like and your three-word review is welcome home Sooners let's stop there Grant so I all around college football we saw week one you know last last night it's it's back I mean people are going to games it's it's full and that's what we we're, we're hoping for and it sounds lame but I kind of forgot what that felt like. I, I know that like it's obvious, but it's true. I mean, you, you get out there, and the weather was great. And before the game started, I kind of looked around the whole stadium, and I thought, okay, here, yes, finally, here we are. This is what college football is. And so I, I know, obviously, you haven't been to one yet, and, and you're hoping to get to some games this season. But that was cool. How did it come across on TV? Did it did it seem different to you? No, it looks good. Um, I, I I would say it. It felt very much like season openers do. Um, and I, yeah, the energy came through pretty well on TV from the stadium. I, 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 I definitely noticed a handful of times that the stadium did not look totally empty in the fourth quarter, which was surprising to me. And so uh, maybe there's a little bit more demand for, for a full stadium than, than a lot of people gave it credit for. So no, that's really good to see, especially after last week being sort of just a uh, kind of a letdown and sort of, you know, taking the air out of the balloon, if you will. So that's really good to see. And it makes me really excited for what the crowd will be next week against Nebraska. You know, albeit being at 11 a.m. kick, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a lot of energy in the crowd, I would assume. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, Nathan on 
The Facebook page says complete football game. Definitely agree. Philip says Gray had moves. And that was one of the things I wanted to see in that game. If anybody, I wanted to see Eric Gray get comfortable and do something in this offense. And he did because against Tulane, it, he was pretty much held in neutral for the most part. Uh, another one from Philip. He says yesterday's defense real? Question mark. Uh, Harry says Danny Studman. Stutzman. <laughs> By the way, I saw Harry at the game, and he had a message for you, Grant. So Harry was at the game. He said he wanted to let you know that he at the game on Saturday, he met Torrance Marshall. Orange Bowl MVP Torrance Marshall. So he thought, he thought that was pretty cool. I thought, oh, I, I told him Grant's going to think that's pretty cool. I love Torrance Marshall. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, I see you have a lot from Philip uh, Knowles' new star. I hope so. That means Oklahoma's running back depth will be a lot better. And uh, the last three-word review I got to go with here is from Ned, and this is going to be a dig at you, Grant. <laughs> Ned's three-word review is Grant still unimpressed. <laughs> That's pretty That's good. Fitting. I like that. Yeah, I mean it's it, it is what it is. I, I think we would all I, I think we'd all feel a lot better, right, if they would have come out and beat Tulane like fifty six to fourteen last week. I think everyone would be feeling a lot better about the team. But having that been said, you know, it's a I feel okay. I feel a lot better. I don't feel great. Don't feel terrible. Right in the middle is okay. Well, I mean, it, not that again, like it doesn't matter that much, but it's very similar to what we saw Saturday at the OU game Saturday for Tulane, they put up 69 on Morgan State on an FCS team. So at least that offense looks like it's not just a terrible offense. Like at it's, Ole it's Miss good next week, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and that'll be that'll be something. Uh, I don't. Yeah, that'll be. I guess Ole, Ole Miss has a pretty decent defensive coordinator now. I think. I think Lane hired a guy that's not a scrub. And now I got to look this up. Uh, Ole Miss defensive coordinator. Great podcasting, I know. Oh, DJ Durkin, the old Maryland coach. And I got, I mean, I know he had the, you know, some controversy and that was the tragedy. But the guy can coach defense from what I can understand. I think he's, I think he's hardcore, like aggressive man coverage guy, which okay. could be, a, I mean, could backfire if they're, if they're running a ton of those crossing routes and stuff. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious how that one turns out. Very, very good slate of games next week in college football. Um, but also, I mean, we, we, we found out this week, as it kind of is every week, if it looks like it's a boring, un, you know, uninteresting slate of games, that means a lot of, you know, pretty much all hell is about to break loose in college football. And while that did not necessarily happen yesterday, we had a really interesting day yesterday in college football where a lot of the assumptions from week one uh, were kind of turned on their heads a little bit, just kind of across the board. And uh, I love it when that happens in college football. I love it so much um, just because from one week, especially from uh, week one to week two, things are not always as they seem. And I think we, we found that out. Lee, do you want me to just kind of run through sort of the crazy stuff that happened on Saturday? Okay, so obviously we started the day. Oregon beats Ohio State and they beat Ohio State fairly convincingly. Uh, over 500 yards of offense, nearly 300 yards on the ground Oregon State had against Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State was still able to kind of put up some numbers. Uh, Landry Stroud threw for about 480 yards and three touchdowns for Ohio State. I was joking around with Who? Landry uh, CJ Stroud, but I was joking around with my buddy while watching that game. I was like, "Oh, CJ Stroud is destined to be Ohio State's Landry Jones. He's going to put up ah, okay. massive numbers, massive numbers." 
but is gonna but they're gonna go ten and three or eleven and four or not eleven and four like ten and four eleven and three in four straight <laughs> seasons and C J Stroud's gonna break all of their school records so he can never be replaced. Uh, yeah, I, I did watch a lot of that game, and I mean Ohio State. Is, I mean, might just be fine, uh, and I mean, give credit to Oregon, but I mean, their Oregon's defense isn't, isn't is not, very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Oregon's offense is not great; it just isn't. Uh, give credit to Oregon. I mean, they moved the ball well, and their defense played a lot better. And you know, who knows? Maybe Fresno State's a lot better than we think. I mean, Fresno State's a good program because that's who Oregon only beat by a touchdown last week, and I couldn't tell you what they did last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ohio State. I mean, that's got to be frustrating for that fan base and good on Oregon because the Pac-12, as bad as it looked in week one, Pac-12 looked really good uh, for the most part in week two, at least basing on, on that game. I, we'll take that back, I guess. And then USC got upset by Stanford, I know. And, I mean, Colorado almost beat Texas A&M, but that was, a whole, that was probably maybe the next game you were going to go through, or one of the games you were going to touch on is the A&M game. Yep, that's, that was in there. So I'll... Uh... Yeah, I'll, I'll just go to that one. Um, I don't know. I actually watched quite a bit of that Texas A&M and Colorado game. Uh, a hard watch for sure. <laughs> yeah, Texas I A&M. You know, I Zach Calzado was just pretty limited after Hayes King got hurt, and I know he 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 did he did throw the eventual game winning touchdown pass to Isaiah Spiller, but uh, man, if Colorado could have generated just a smidgen of offense in the second half, they would have been able to put that thing away because Texas A&M. You know, faced with the reality of having to drop back and and you know get chunk passing plays, that wasn't gonna happen if you were watching that game. And so, uh, Texas A and M, they look man, they're Texas A and M. I, I don't really know what else to say about them. Their defense looked good uh, after they after kind of giving up maybe some chunk plays in the first half. Uh, Colorado has a uh, has a has a fast quarterback, but. They're they're going to struggle on offense this season throwing the ball. I I think that's pretty clear. Um and and I I haven't heard on Hayes King whether or not he's going to be out long term. Uh but if if Calzada is going to be their quarterback for a long period of time, they're really going to struggle in the passing game for sure. Uh so that you know that's interesting to see. I thought uh, another interesting uh, one that you probably didn't get to see any of Lee Notre Dame needed a uh, a touchdown drive in the last ninety seconds of the game to beat Toledo. Uh. And if you if you remember, Notre Dame played that really kind of OT thriller classic against Florida State last week on Labor Day. Lee, Florida State loses to FCS Jacksonville State. Um, and so it's I love stuff like that because you see that game and you saw, you know, last Labor Day, you saw what it looked like a lot of offensive explosion capability from both teams. And then they come out in week two and both teams kind of maybe they're both just not very good. We kind of know Florida State's yeah. definitely not very good, losing to an FCS team. Uh, a lot of people expected Notre Dame to maybe take a step back after losing all the production from a college football playoff team from a year ago, and that looks to be entirely possible. So that's interesting. Leah, uh, one I wanted to bring up just because I think one of the takeaways from last week from everybody in, in the country was, man, everybody outside of Georgia and Alabama looked looked you know looked pretty suspect or pretty flawed. Lee... If you listen to Nick Saban at all in their press conference this week, he was really unimpressed with his team in the second half of that game against Miami last week. And then he was not very happy with his team's effort yesterday against FCS Mercer. Alabama did win 48-14, to but Lee, their, out, their offense only averaged 6.5 yards a play against Mercer. Young was Bryce Young was sacked twice. There were nu- numerous instances where he was struggling to find guys that were open. And then that is made even more interesting 
Lee, Miami needed everything in their back pocket to get back to get by Appalachian State yesterday. They won by two points, 25 to 23 at home. And then so why, I, why I'm calling this Take a Breath Saturday is because everything that everyone sort of overreacted about last week was flipped on its head this week. OU looked uninterested and not ready to finish last week. They go up against a much worse team, a really bad team, and they look like they're that's the most excited they've been to play a game in a really long time. You got Nick Saban, who threw cold water over everyone's Alabama takes last week, come out and look kind of disinterested and not all together against Mercer. Um, I would say the one team that sort of uh, Georgia looked really good. They they come out they come out with their backup quarterback. Uh, some smoke about JT Daniels maybe being out for a long time with an oblique injury. Uh, but, you know, Stetson Bennett came in and he he was very limited last season, but he was, I think he only threw two, 12 passes and he had nearly 300 yards and five touchdowns. So, uh, so Georgia looked uh, really impressive. But other than that, a lot of warts popped up throughout college football. And we haven't even gotten to Texas yet, who got obliterated by Arkansas. Uh, they could not move the ball. Arkansas ran for over 300 yards on Texas. And Lee... That Louisiana team that was top 25 in the country that everyone was was so convinced was a really impressive 20-point win for Texas in the first half, they had to scratch and claw past FCS Nichols State to win 20-17. to And also, okay. you know, other stuff. Stanford beats USC by two touchdowns after Kansas State smokes them in, the first, in, the, in week one. Kansas State beats Southern Illinois by six. Skylar Thompson may be out for the season again for Kansas State. Just a lot. I mean, a lot. BYU gets smoked by, or uh, Utah smokes BYU. I'm sorry. BYU smokes Utah uh, in a game. I think BYU won by nine, but it wasn't even that close. Um, a really interesting week as we go into a, as we go into a week three with a lot of marquee matchups. And it, it'll probably, everything will probably unfold as everyone predicts in, in a week like that. But, uh, I always love these weeks where you are reminded of how unpredictable college football is. And I even mentioned Iowa State getting humbled by Iowa. And, and what was the, I mean, man, just that was such a Big Ten game. I mean, that was Iowa football, Big Ten football from the, from the early to mid-2000s personified. And Iowa State couldn't hang, man. They just couldn't. All right, good on you pointing out all of those different games and the teams from last week and how they fared in week two. That was very interesting. I like that. Let's spend the, the last couple. I mean, because we got to get going. I got to make some picks. I got to set some fancy lineups. But I, I'll, I'll give you the floor because I'm looking at this box score of this Iowa State Iowa game. You called it. You said Iowa. I'll, I love. I'll take the points. I like Iowa big. Iowa had 173 yards of total offense. It's they can't do any. How? What is happening? And I look at the turnovers, and Iowa State had a bunch of freaking turnovers. It what what happened in that game? Did you get a chance to watch it closely? Why is why can't Iowa State figure it out? Is it at this point? And you've brought this up before, I know. Is it just simply a matchup? It's a matchup thing at this point with these with these teams, right? That's the only explanation. Iowa State really struggled, and they did. They they had one really explosive passing play at the end of the first half. Uh, other than that, they just they really struggled to generate explosive plays. And Iowa is just, they are just, they are such a good tackling team. Is that they, you know, when they, when a ball is caught in front of them, they you just don't ever get past them. They tackle. And then uh, Brees Hall just struggled to get, to get going. And I'm, I'm just saying, this is going to pop up for Iowa State 
consistently this season because this that team has peaked. That group of players has peaked in college football. They are not good enough in the trenches. They were whipped consistently by Iowa in the trenches, which is exactly how I thought it would go. Good on you. I should have taken your advice. I should have gone with the points. I could have done a lot better against the spread on Saturday. And also Brock Purdy is not good. It's just not particularly good. He had one, the, the one, the one explosive play, you know, that he had right, right at the, at the end of the first half was a really good throw, a, a really good throw. Uh, but, you know, I mean, other than that, it was just the same old Brock Purdy. Not, you know, struggles to push it down the field and uh, questionable decision-making. Well, we said it before the season began. We did our big season preview or we previewed the Big 12 or however, whatever podcast. We, we talked about how the early part of the Iowa State season is going to tell us all we need to know about Iowa State. They struggled. They barely beat Northern Iowa, who's a good FCS team, but still it's an FCS team. And they get beaten down. Even though they outgain Iowa by 150 yards, they get beat by Iowa on uh, at Jack Tri Stadium. I your prediction about Iowa State being like a what like eight eight win team or something like that set, looks really good, and I got to give you a lot of credit for that because I think we we know what Iowa State is now. That's that's we learn about Iowa State early on. If they were going to be different this year and be like a you know a Big Twelve championship type contender and maybe even a playoff contender, they had to come out against Northern Iowa and then against Iowa and play different and play better and win those games convincingly. And they didn't. They did the same thing they always do. So good on you for making that prediction. And I, I think you're probably right. I mean, they're going to be they're, – they're going to – you know, there's no way this is a team that's going to – I mean, they can still make the Big 12 title game. But, yeah, they're a lot closer to what you were saying, like a 7-8-9 win team as opposed to a 10-11 win team. Yeah, and I I think we should end on this. I just kind of want to wrap it in a bow. Um, talk about a week where, you know, after week one, people were starting to think, gosh, man, it's, it's going to be pretty... There's maybe a lot of, you know, landmines in this Big 12 schedule for OU after watching that game. After week two, man, OU's path to the Big 12 title again just seems f- just way more wide open. Let's talk about the teams who are going to be their main competition. You see Iowa State be physically manhandled by Iowa. You see Texas be physically manhandled by Arkansas. You see TCU needing a a big rally to come back and beat Cal by two at home. You have Oklahoma State struggling with Tulsa at home, only winning by five. You You have a Kansas State team where we don't know the status of Skylar Thompson anymore. You have a Texas Tech team that that's had to scratch and claw to beat Stephen F. Austin. Kansas got blown out by Coastal yeah. Carolina, obviously. Uh, not a great week for the Big 12. The only team that 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 came out completely unscathed were, were the good guys. Hey, you didn't mention West Virginia's dominant shutout of uh, Long Island University. Which LIU! Makes me, I, don't, I don't know which if Which makes that's me a thing. little thirsty. I, I, I kind of feel like I need to grab a... Little Long Island iced tea. Sit, uh, put my put my feet up. Watch some NFL football. Put the Red Zone channel on. Uh, and the thing is, time, we're, uh, we're, we're going to learn a lot about West Virginia next week. They uh, Virginia Tech comes to Morgantown next week. Oh, good. So that good. I mean, that's great. That we're going to know a lot about the, and a Virginia Tech defense that seems to be really good. Uh, so we'll we'll I mean, we'll see what that West Virginia offense is made for. But uh, man. I thought a really great week two leading into a, a really great slate on week three. I'm excited to talk about Nebraska later this week. All right. Well, we will do that next time out. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of West of Everest. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.